My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. Today, my guest is Winston Devendaraja. Winston and I talk about emotions, and in particular, my deeming him as unemotional. It's happened a few times. Winston and I run a show together called Highly Functioning, which started as an exploration of our minds, thinking we both had Asperger's, and it's since developed. But one thing that I often project onto Winston is that I think he's unemotional because I was very unemotional until recently, or at least I didn't know how to deal with my emotions would be a better way to put it. Though Winston replies that he isn't actually unemotional, he just has a certain relationship with his emotions. I think it's a good conversation and also a great prelude to our entire show over at highlyfunctioning.ca or Highly Functioning on YouTube. We cover a decent amount of ground here about what it means to be emotional and how we interact with our emotions in our own lives. And I think it's a great starting point if you want to dive deeper into your own emotional life. If you like the show, please subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app and consider supporting us at thesafespace.ca. So what I really wanted to talk to you about as part of this whole, uh, you know, friendship project um, is your relationship with your emotions, I suppose, because, you know, a lot of these earlier conversations, they're a bit more like intellectual and we're getting to know each other. But the eventual goal is to really kind of be able to, let's say, talk from our emotions is the way I'd put it and kind of be more grounded in it. And, you know, from my assessment, and we've talked about this a bit, you're the you might have the most difficult time with that, right? Similar to issues I've had in my past. But, you know, I want to know your thoughts on the project and me both like me telling you that I think you're less emotional or whatever, um, but also your own thoughts on kind of that premise and just kind of, I'm interested in your thinking on the project generally. So I think um, I'd like uh, the project a lot because I find that um, especially with what we see often in terms of friendships or think or people that we consider to be our close friends, um, we actually often don't have especially like when you're growing up or when you see some other friend groups you that close click that you have might actually not be that close like you find it's that common example of like there's people around during the good times but they're not there during the bad times and you're not able to have those much more serious conversations with them um and so i like this because one it gets to like most of the people that uh, well not most all of the people on this project i don't know very well so it almost gives you a firsthand view of what it's like to sort of build that relationship and how important it is to trust um, that somebody um, is going to be doing the right thing and you can trust them with information. Um, it's almost like that idea of like giving your heart to someone expecting that they won't break it. Um, and I generally like this just because I find that I can be very uh, unemotional with a lot of things and being around a group of people who are very uh, diverse and different in terms of the way that they think about their friendships allows me to be a better person that, that can understand them better and honestly like give the opposite perspective because as much as there is downsides to always being unemotional, um, and I wouldn't say I'm always unemotional, I'm being a little bit uh, extra yeah. there, but um, it, being unemotional, I find that there's a lot of situations in which at least with my other close friends, uh, being the unemotional person is really helpful um, at least when making a lot of, uh, like it depends on the type of decisions, but at the end of the day, I think you have to do is right for yourself, but it's nice to have someone who's like, listen, 
I know you're my friend. I know you're this. I know you have all these other things in, in, uh, that you have to take into account, but I'm going to look at everything almost objectively and without bias in any way. And sometimes people don't like that, but I find that there's a lot of cases in which it's important to have that friend that'll tell you like it is. Yeah, no. So I definitely agree with that, but I would push back that I'm trying to change you, right? I'm trying to, uh, you know, I would put it, because I, I agree, like I was very much in one camp. I didn't have control over myself. Like I was an interesting mix of not just not being able to handle my emotions, but still, I think, being emotional. Um, and I think you're very much more calm and grounded. But like, you know, I like the idea of trying to understand and help you become more emotional, right? And talk about things in your life from a more emotional perspective, because that's what I'm trying to like I'm trying to understand that more in myself and also in these in the this group and also more broadly and so the idea is that no like you know there's lots of opportunity to talk intellectually about things and I think in a friendship that's obviously hugely valuable as well but I also think it's important for all of us to try and understand how to actually get more emotional how to be more in touch with our emotions and 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 yeah, I mean, the best way I can say it is to like speak from the emotions, which is still hard for me to actually explain, right? And you and I have talked about how like there's like conversation at this level and conversation at this level, right? And um, and I can very much notice when I'm in one mode versus the other, and I don't know how to kind of incept the other one yet. But it's like I'm trying to, I want to get you to be able to also do that, right? So it. Um, and so let me yeah. let me tell you what I, I usually thought about things historically and how, at least as I've matured as a person, I've been able to understand the emotional realm of um, decision-making or talking or speaking or getting to know other people or just relationships in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that, at least historically, I would look at everything and be like, okay, what is the best decision based off of like, what's the best for my career? What's the best for my growth? What's the best for like a financial decision? And I'd be like, just do it like almost cost benefit analysis of every possible decision that I'd make. Mm-hmm. And what I would find is that although like I would, for the most part, it would bear fruit later on. I found that sometimes it's important, especially like two years down the line after you made that decision, you realize that although that might've been the quote unquote smart decision to make objectively um, or uh, unemotionally, you find that you might find out two years later that you're unhappy with the decision because there's an emotional part as to why you wanted to make some, why you wanted to do something. So Mm -hmm. like this most simplest example I can think of is like, Hey, do I need to um, like, is there something that I want to buy that I really, really want? And I've been thinking about all the time. And I might look at that and go like, it makes no, there's no justifiable reason as to why I should get that thing. And I'll sort of push it aside. And I'll find out that like two years later, when I like, when I go, when I think about it, I'm like, I should have totally bought that because the amount of happiness that I would have derived from actually getting that thing, as long as of course, within within reason right don't go buy yourself a don't go buy a ferrari when you don't have a house but um like it's i I find there's a lot of times where i'm like i should have just included my emotions in that decision and when i'm thinking about things although i might not be right to be thinking about it i'll have to deal with the fact that maybe i feel upset about something maybe i feel that like this is something that i don't like and i can't give you a fully unemotional answer yet and I need to take into account my emotions and not just push them to decide and make that decision. And for me, it's personally harder. It's pretty hard to do. Um, I find that it's very easy for me to like try and push myself out, almost think of it, think of something 
like uh, almost push myself outside of that decision to be like, what if I was looking at this on like a graph, if I was looking at this, um, if I was simply given two options, which is, which is the one that makes the most sense to do. And I often don't include the emotional side of things on how that makes me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've come to realize that like, uh, especially with your more larger life decisions, uh, that's just a road to unhappiness. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And definitely you seem extremely intelligent about your emotions and emotionally intelligent, right? And, you know, the, the theory I'm positing, and I can't know your internal world. I only, I like kind of am projecting my experience onto you because I think we're similar in some aspects, right? But I obviously think our, our experiences are, are quite unique to each of us. Because, um, you know, the, I'm wondering if there's like a, a, a depth of, awareness of the emotions that's not been accessed yet right that's what i'm wondering and i think it's the the more conversations i've had with men generally recently the more it seems that like the theories i have about the relationship with emotions with men is fundamentally different than the traditional model that women that we have which seems to be i would say a female centric model of like the embodied emotions and that kind of thing but in particular, like, I think it's good in the assessment process of yourself and like weighing the emotions as a tool that's equal, right? But I think where it comes up in a different context is in conversations, in emotional conversations, because like, that's where like, that like, you know, empathy is an important part of those. But it's, I don't know, because it seems different to me, like, you know, you and I were talking about I think it was my relationship with my mother, right? And it was like, you know, the example was, okay, well, we could be talking about it and kind of emotionally both feeling similar things and understanding the feelings that were coming up in each of us and talking about that and why, or we can be talking about the historical context of the con- the conflict with my mother and like be aware and cognizant of the emotions that come up. But it's like a different tone entirely than just kind of sitting and talking pure like with a pure focus on the emotions as they're coming up um and it's like almost a different mental set and i i like that you bring that up because um that part is sort of true with me in that i at least historically have not found when someone when someone is like grieving when someone is sad things like that i'm I'm, you i usually do that classic thing of okay how do we fix it what what's the solution to this problem Mm. and sometimes um i don't understand it as well because usually I don't personally need it. And I don't know if there's a social thing behind that and stuff like that. But I usually just want, when I go and talk to someone, I don't want them to, I almost looked at it a little bit like pity. Like, I don't want you to be like, oh, sorry to hear that. I feel bad for you, things like that. I'm like, no, like I want to find the path to actually fixing it and getting on and moving on to the next thing. Um, And I've personally not needed that. And so it's very difficult for me to understand what that conversation looks like and beyond just like a, like, I'm really sorry you're feeling that way. I don't really know what that next step is. And I always find myself going back to what I would normally do, which is, okay, like if this is sad, this is upsetting, what do I do to get out of this situation? And, um, and largely to your point, I don't think I've answered why I particularly do that or why I don't know how to do the other thing. And I'm still working on figuring out how I actually have those emotional conversations. Because for me, I'm almost like, okay, what's the best possible thing to do here? What is the next thing that I need to say for you to feel better? Um, before I can almost like get on to the part where we actually help you get better. 
Right. And so there's a few things that come to mind. One is it definitely seems that you're, let's say, more well-adjusted than I was when I was, quote, unemotional, right? Because I very much did have an underlying need of those things. I just didn't know how to access it. And so it definitely seems like you're more in touch with your emotions in your own decision-making process and these sorts of things, which I think is good. Um, You know, but I do find it interesting you know, maybe you don't need it, or maybe you do give it to yourself enough, but I find that interesting, right? Like I find I would want to explore, well, are you sure you don't? Because like my life changed when I realized that even though I didn't need it, I did need it. And it actually like, or it still added a significant amount of value to my life, even if maybe I didn't need it. And, and the one thing that you brought up is very much kind of in line with what we've talked about is that whole process of trying to figure out what the right thing to say is, is the exact thing that is detaching you from your emotions in that moment, right? Because you're thinking, what should I say to help this situation rather than just being present and saying what you think will help in that situation, right? It's, so it's like, a, it's, there's like a meta awareness of, you know, this is the situation. How do I improve it? I want to help this person feel better versus just, no, I'm in this situation right now. What do I feel like saying? And so it's like that, that inner trust that, that is associated with being like present or grounded. And like, that is what is uh, associated with kind of being emotional is like not thinking what's the best thing to say, but just what am I saying right now to this? I'm just responding to this situation. I don't know if it's the right response, but it's the response I feel like saying. And you and so there's no not that rational filter process, I guess, right? And there might be like um like internally there might be something that's like, okay, like what if I make it worse? Like what if I not think about what to say and I say something without thinking about it and someone's like, how could you say that? And I'm like I don't know. I wasn't thinking when I said it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, then, and then then I'm in this whole other thing where the person that I want to make feel better, I've made I've made feel worse. Yeah. Um, and, and and like that's always a difficult situation situation to be in. And I think personally speaking, like at least when I've looked at emotions and things like that, I always found there's there's two extremes, and very few people fall in between. Um, and maybe I just haven't met enough people, but, um, there's some people who are super unemotional about everything and choose to be that, like that classic macho guy that never does anything, never tells you that they're proud of you, like that type of thing. Or you have the other option where everyone just flies by the seat of their pants. You get angry and you get super angry. You're happy and you're super happy. And both of those people, I'm like, I have a difficult time being with, cause it's just like, Oh, like there is nothing in you that's thinking about what you're doing. You're just flying by the seat of your pants. And sometimes like the best decision is not to be not to be that overly emotional and i find like there's a there's a like an upper limit into which emotions are useful like it's important to in at least in my head uh, and that might be where it comes from where there are situations where like you think about military situations you think about situations where you're in a difficult uh, in a difficult time and place like it's important for you to not lose your cool and like getting angry is like yeah. a type of emotion as well right so it's like yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's important to be unemotional with some of these things so that you make the right decision because there might be large consequences that get associated with it now of course those are like edge case situations and maybe in your day to day it's 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 important to just feel um, but I find that like, it's difficult to be sort of, uh, 
almost have like that drip feeding of emotions where you include it in your decision making and include it into into how you think about things, but not let it basically take control of you. Because we've all had situations where people are just overly emotional about anything and you don't really want to talk to them and you're just afraid and you're walking on eggshells and things like that. Yeah. And so a few things come to mind. One is, I mean, I think every, like what you said about like not wanting to mess it up and like, you know, if I'm not filtering and pre-thinking, then I might screw it up and they're already feeling bad. Maybe I'll make it worse. And I think that's the environment I'm trying to create. I mean, the opposite of that is the environment I'm trying to create with this, right? Is no, like no matter what each of us say, we're all compassionate to each other. So if, if I mess up, if I say the wrong thing, that's just, you know, it's a, it's an understandable mistake, right? Even if someone's in a bad mood, that doesn't mean I'll be perfect. Right. And so like really that deep trust does come from, cause I still have a hard time filtering my thoughts. I try and do it less now because it causes me issues when I do do it. And so I try and build relationships where I know, even if I make a mistake, even if I say something really wrong, that I'll get the benefit of the doubt overall. Right. And so I think that's an important thing to note. And and, and when you talk, yeah, I think with my experience with men in particular is their emotional states tend to be more loud, right? It's like kind of it bursts through almost, right? And so you want to make sure you monitor that. But, you know, you said you want to make sure you don't let the emotion control the decision making and that the emotion doesn't lead the direction. But I think too often there's an overcompensation where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to feel it fully because if I feel it fully, then it will lead to me making a bad decision. But I think the, the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect balance is no, you feel it fully, but you just notice that you note that, no, I'm feeling really angry right now. I'm, I'm letting myself feel the full anger and I'm taking time to deal with it, or I'm not still not letting that be impacting my decision. And so I'm not saying this is the case with you, but I think for many people, there's a, like, there's a tendency to overcompensate, right? Because they don't want the emotions to direct the decision, they push it down rather than feeling the full weight of the emotion and still not letting it take cognitive control of their decision-making. But aren't those both complete opposite of each other? Right. Like if you like, at least in my head, it's like if you're super angry and you allow yourself to feel the full extent of your anger, isn't that just a recipe for blowing up about something or saying something or doing something that you didn't mean to do? Is it important for you to at least when I get angry, I go, okay, like if I get angry and if I get upset and I show that I'm being upset, what is the actual outcome that comes out of this? The person that I'm getting angry at, like, did they want to do this? Did they, uh, what was the well, reason so, behind it? Like all right, of those right things here. go in my head so that I right. can actually go ahead and understand, manage that anger. Or if I get angry, right? I essentially think, think forward and be like, will I be happy with myself for getting angry? And I'm like, no, because a lot of the times in situations where I should have been angry and I've been calm and been like, okay, cool. Like it is what it is. I'm going to move on. I've actually been happier later on because mm -hmm. I realized, okay, I'm in full control of my emotions. That doesn't mean like, I'm like, oh my God, don't feel angry, don't feel angry, don't feel angry. It's just like, I know how to control that really well. And mm -hmm. for other people that might come off of being like incredibly stoic, but I feel like that's just, it's that like classic idea of let it come and let it pass. Don't let right. it take control of you. Right, and so I agree with the last part. You don't want to let it take control of you, but I would argue sometimes if you're not letting it impact your actual engagement with the world, you can let it take control of you, right? And so I think you had two, 
two errors in your analysis just then. One, you, you said, if I'm angry at someone, as if that's the, like, you are never angry at someone, right? Someone does something and anger is an emotion you are feeling, right? So you are just angry, right? Someone did something that made you angry, but you're never actually angry at someone. I mean, this isn't precise, but like the emotion is triggered by something someone did. That same action could have tr not triggered it in someone else. And so I think, yes, if you, if, as soon as you view the emotion as directly attached to or related to someone, then there's a tendency to think, oh, it will cause issues. I'm like, so I think that's one piece. But I think the other piece is also you said something about um, if you feel the full emotion. I don't remember exactly. Won't it take it? Wait, won't it take control of you? Won't it take control of you? And. And I would say no, right? So the same way you say you can notice emotions coming up and you deal with them accordingly, right? Just because you let an emotion come up fully and really strongly doesn't necessarily mean that it's then going to impact your decision-making or whatever. Like, for, like if I sob in, on my couch for an hour and like have uncontrollable sadness, it's a, it's a sense of relief that comes afterwards, right? And it's like... And I'm not saying, I don't know your background and your history, so I'm not saying these are situations that would happen to you, right? But I'm saying they do happen, and there's this tendency, there is no, if I'm just putting on my old school brain of, there's no rational reason for me to spend an hour crying on the sofa, right? But, and it won't accomplish anything, but if that emotion is pent up in me, if I, I'm feeling sad to that degree, yeah, I can try and figure out why, but there is also a sense of relief that comes from allowing my body to feel that, allowing that sadness to come up, right? To have those emotions exist. And that doesn't mean, uh, you, you know, you want to be careful about when that happens. And so I'm not at a meeting with my CEO and I start bawling uncontrollably, right? But it's about figuring out that balance. And then there is something to be said about allowing those sorts of things to happen with loved ones. And that's where a really deep connection comes. Um, when you're willing to be unfilteredly emotional with someone and show that aspect, because I mean, and again, I don't know if this just never happens to you, right? But I'm, this is what I'm positing is I think this happens to many people and it seems to happen to women more than, ab than men, you know, stereotypically, I don't know if that's true. Um, but also it happens to me and I kind of can notice when I'm in one mode versus the other, but I only learned that at all uh, in the past few years. Cause I never used to have that or I never used to recognize it that way. And I think there's a, there's a big point there, right? Which is it really depends on who you're with. Cause I find mm -hmm. that most of the time, what things that you say, like if someone has not necessarily poor intentions, but um, like even normal intentions, because it's often people do this is that you might say something because you're upset and not like something bad, something like insulting to the other person be like, I don't like how you did this. And they'll come back and be like, I don't like how you did this. And it's like, no, that's not like what we're trying to do here. We're trying, like, when I tell you this, I want you to be like, okay, I understand how that made you feel. I'm sorry about that. Let's do that. And then when you tell me, I'm, I feel like I'm mature enough to be like, you know what, that probably wasn't the right thing to do that like I probably should have done something differently. And that right. really depends on who you associate with, right? And I find that it really like th there's very few and select people that you can spend that time emotionally with to tell right. them straight up like, hey, like this is not something that I like. 
Um, and to your point, I would say, I'm not good at doing that with anyone, period. Right. right. Like, That's what even, I even with some of the closest people that I know, like I'm, I'm just someone who's, who looks at it and goes like, this is not useful. And like most of the time when I've been upset or sad by something, I've never looked back and been like, I should have just let myself be upset. Um, now I think there is a flip side where it's like in times where I'm supposed to be happy and celebrating sometimes like, Oh crap, I have something else coming up or like things like that, which you can make an argument that I should let myself go a little bit more there. And I'm learning to go ahead and do that. But I found that if I, in the moments where I've let myself be angry, let myself be upset, let myself like, like not very often, but sure. Like cry or whatever. Um, I don't feel good about it afterwards. I'm like, hey, look, I could have spent that time actually dealing with the thing that's making me upset. Right. And so that's what's really interesting to me because the not feeling good about it afterwards because it wasn't the best option or the most optimal way to solve the problem or whatever, I think that's the key thing because you mentioned all of the negative emotions you don't feel, but I think it's important to note that the same issues will be attached to the positive emotions, right? And that's the key thing, right? The key idea is emotion. When you're feeling your emotions, it's very much attached to the idea of being like grounded and living life in the present. And emotions just happen, right? Because they just happen sometimes. And, And you have to be paying attention to them and deal with it and not let them take you over. But no, I, so I think, yeah, we like, you don't want to let negative emotions rule your life, but if you don't let emotions sometimes take you over, you're never going to feel just pure happiness, right? Because like, it would be, I'd be impressed if you could feel only the positive emotions, but not the negative emotions, right? That seems not likely to me. And so I do think I do hold and. I, I, you know, I'm working on and I believe this idea of this is all connected, right? This idea of being grounded um, and being like in, in touch with your emotions. Um, And yeah, so I would, I would pause it, I guess, uh, or I'm wondering, I suppose, um, do you think it's, are, are you open to the idea that being more in touch with your emotions in kind of the way I'm discussing would potentially benefit your life or you think no i have a good handle on my emotions and like uh because i'm i think there's a there's a caveat there which is i think absolutely you need to and i try to cultivate this with at least the people that i spend time with where it's like hey like tell me how you're feeling because i can't read your mind like right. if something that I said upsets you, come and tell me that it upsets you because I'll tell you what I was doing in that case and I'll tell you I'll apologize. And next time that I say something, I'll know how to say it in a way or I'll give you like, or like we go with the, with the assumption in our conversations or at least with the closest people in my conversation, I always say that like, assume I mean the best with everything I say, unless I make it blatantly clear that I'm thinking otherwise, right? right. Yeah. I find that's a good way. And I find... To, to your point, is there much more effort that I should be doing in terms of telling people, hey, like David, I am upset by this. I, this thing is sort of affecting me. I think absolutely. But I think I'm, sometimes I, I think sometimes that feel more emotional gets taken into a into the wrong direction 
where someone just becomes completely ruled by their emotions, where they get upset, they cry, they think, and they don't yeah. actually have that mature conversation. Because I think there's something to do with maturity, right? Like there's a reason after a while, we don't just cry at everything as, as you were when you were a kid, because you understand, of course, if something's really sad and like you're, you're, you're like someone's passed away, things like that. Don't just sit there, be a rock. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. But like, you can let that go. But it's, it's, I think your emotional response should fit the situation. Um, and to a certain degree, like everyone's rate of that is going to be a little bit different. But I think if you didn't get candy at the candy store, don't start sobbing about it. Right. Right. No, that totally makes sense. But to say your emotional response should fit the situation, you cannot control your emotional response directly. And that's the whole thing. If you happen to have an emotional response that doesn't fit the situation or that wasn't optimal or uh, whatever, how do you view that? Because you don't actually directly control your emotions. And the more you try to do that or manage them, the less freely they flow and the more it kind of locks you into your head. Um, but that's my, you know, my prediction. And so like, um, the, you know, if, a if, you know, a loved one passes, right. Is there an assessment of like, okay, well, it's been two days. I should stop crying, like time to move on with life. And I mean, there, that has to happen at some point, right. You can't be a blithering person for 20 years, right. Like that's clearly negative. Um, but the emotion could be there the rest of your life, right? You could feel that all of the time and it could come up at random times and you have to be willing to let it come up and feel it and you have to be able to feel it fully but still go on with your day, right? You have to be able to feel, like for me, it was a, it was a milestone to be able to be depressed and still go into work, right? Because no, this is just an emotion I'm feeling. It doesn't impact, it's just a fact. I'm in this mood right now and I'm still going about my life. And there's this tendency to say, no, either I'm just paying only attention to the emotions or I'm not dealing with them at all because, or whatever. But like, there's this idea I'm of like having the actual full mix, right? But the thing that I would say, and for the most part, I, I do agree. Uh, the thing that I would say is that like, if someone does grieve and someone did pass, pass away, right? Um, absolutely, it's, it's su super important for you to grieve and feel and feel it and understand it. but. Also look at the situation, right? Like, do you have um, little brothers? Do you have little kids? Do you have other people that you have to take care of during that time? Do you have to make arrangements for the funeral? Like all of those things should not be responsibilities and stuff that you completely push away. You should right. be, you should basically um, um, take the responsibility to go and deal with these things. Cause you realize that like, those are things that need to get done and need to be there for right. other and people as well as spending time with yourself. Right. And, and so, so I, I okay, go ahead. The fundamental question is, do you think, okay, when I'm making the decision to, yeah, I still have these people I need to take care of. I still need to get on with my life. Can't I be feeling miserable while still choosing to do that? Because there's this idea I get from people that, no, you have to have dealt with the misery and said, okay, no, the misery is dealt with now. It'll come up. I'll deal with it sometimes when it comes up, but now I'm moving forward versus no i feel miserable and i'm moving forward right both can happen at the same time well i think you can choose to at least my personal belief is that you can choose when you want to go ahead and do i don't think you should bottle up an emotion that you have because at some point i am a believer that you might 
potentially have hold on to that resentment and it might manifest in ways that you don't necessarily know about. Uh, yeah. That's like the whole idea of therapy and all that stuff that's involved in there. Right. But yeah. I mean, you should take time to do that, but you should be thinking about when you should allow yourself to uh, allow yourself to fully like take that in. Right. Don't like, and of course there are situations in which like, if you just found out someone is someone had passed away, you were absolutely going to ball out crying because it's a, it's a, it's a large emotional response, but you don't continue doing that all the time if you are like a father that has kids and like other people that you have to go ahead and take care of right you don't just curl up in a ball you decide hey look i'm going to feel this but i'm going to be in control of my emotion on when i'm going to grieve when i'm going to do these things so i'm going to i i want to wrap up this discussion and so i'll 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 give you a hypothesis or what's so right now i have i've i'm of two minds right I could continue, if we were to continue this conversation, I could continue it on the path we're on, which again has tended to be quite intellectual. We're now discussing, oh, the theory of emotions and if someone passes away or whatever. And I could do that. And you, I, that's my natural habitat. And that's where you tend to go as well. But right now I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling frustrated because this isn't how, the conversa- how I wanted the conversation to go, right? I had wanted it to go differently. And as soon as I start talking about that, I have a full different experience in my body. I can feel the frustration, right? And my tone is changing and I'd be interested, like, I think we could do this whole conversation again, but the whole time I'm just asking you how you're feeling about this topic, how you're feeling about me telling you you're not emotional enough and me telling you these sorts of things rather than hypothesizing about it. And for me, I can tell the difference between the two types of conversations. Um, And that's just, I find that interesting. And I mean, we don't have time to do the full second conversation now, but I'd be interested in like a take two where I try very proactively to focus just the whole time on how is Winston feeling at this moment? Because we tend to uh, shift away from that. But uh, the one thing I'll say to that, right? Is like, I think part of you has almost proved my point a little bit, right? Which is, the fact that you're frustrated, but you're not throwing things at a wall. You're not like, oh, I hate Winston, things like that. You're telling me as, an, as, a, uh, as a responsible person that like, hey, Winston, I'm getting a little bit frustrated at this. And you're not yeah. being completely ruled by that frustration. You understand that you're feeling that way and you can articulate that to someone. And I think that's right. the level of emotion that I think is really important. And I think, of course, like if you weren't to ask, how do I feel about you telling me that you're a robot and you're unemotional? Like sometimes it could suck, right? And we can have that conversation about it. But the conversation that we're having would be one where I tell you what I feel and we talk about it. I would not just be like, it sucks, David. It really, really sucks. Right. But I, I don't believe you'd actually be able to tell me how you feel. I think you'd be able to tell me how you think about what I'm telling, what you think about what I'm telling you. That's my hypothesis at least. Okay. Well, I guess on the next one, we'll talk about how I feel about being called a robot or potentially a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Winston. (laughs) Sounds good, David. Good one to start off of.